Hey there, leader. Today, today on Security on Tap, today we're going to be talking about the vulnerability hamster wheel. How to manage it. How to lead through it. How to get off of it. So you might be asking, Randy, what is the hamster wheel? And the vulnerability management hamster wheel. It's like the song that never ends. This is the song that never ends. My son loved that song. (laughs) And you hear a gunshot in the background. Because everybody loves vulnerability management. It's just so much fun. You know what? It is, you know, I've described vulnerability management. Let's let's set the the stage here a little bit for for our listeners. Vulnerability management is, I've often referred to it as sewer wire, sewer work. Right? The sewer department in your city does not get enough credit. No. It's underground. Nope. It's nasty. It's dirty. It's stinky. And when it breaks, everyone hates you. But yes. when it works, nobody appreciates you. Nobody cares. But the minute that poop comes back <laughs> out. <laughs> Streaming into your yard. Suddenly it's a catastrophe. Oh, and I need the awful. United States Sewage Corp to come and help me. Yeah. I, we had a home uh, before we bought the farm. That uh, it was, it was a very nice large. Home you just had bought the farm. I'm yeah, going to miss you. <laughs> yeah, in the basement in the corner was a bathroom, and it was the lowest point. Can I in have our... your ATV? Yeah, <laughs> it's yours anyway. <laughs> the the lowest point in the farm, back corner, the lowest point in the, in the home, back corner, and our sewer system backed up. And because the house was kind of big, we and my my you know family was taking showers and whatnot. We didn't know it. And I got a scream from downstairs, and literally there was a geyser of, oh. of brown water coming up through the, the shower drain. Okay. It was I, awful. I don't know how that's germane to our topic today, but it could be as, as, a, as a terrible poo-filled mess. It, it is. Well, and that's, that's vulnerability management. So the sewage company is a, is a great... Vulnerability analogy. management is the, is the sanitation department of your organization. Uh, um, and nay, I'm going to use the word nay so I sound like a, a Norse god. Nay, it is the sanitation department of your entire company. Yeah. Because if you don't do it right, somebody's somebody's going to get covered in shit, excuse yeah. my language, and they're going to pay for it. Yeah, it's going to get everybody sick. It's going to impact everyone. And, you know, vulnerabilities and how you manage them is one thing, but setting expectations around them, that's really the thing. You're always going to have vulnerabilities. They're going to continue. The ones you clean up this month, you're going to have them next month. So it sounds like you're describing the hamster wheel. Yes. So we use that in the title, the vulnerability management hamster wheel. And, and you know, I wish I could just say, show of hands, how many of you have been involved in the vulnerability management hamster wheel? And I think it's everybody. Yeah. Infrastructure. I, you know, multiple organizations where I worked in where I have, I have browbeaten, I have cajoled, I have bribed, done everything short of, you know, commit multiple felonies just single felonies, um, uh, multiple felonies, <laughs> to get them to do it. And, and in one organization, prior to the one I'm in now, we actually caught caught up, but it was a prodigious effort. And we were in a very homogeneous, very you know vanilla environment where it was relatively straightforward. Yeah. It is one of the most difficult things you can do as a security leader. Well, and, you know, when we talk about vulnerability management, oh, you got to have... wait, before we go there, yeah. first of all, we got to give a shout-out to our... Our sponsor, we're coming to you oh, today right. from the Germantown Cafe in lovely Germantown, yes. downtown Nashville. This was the place where you were wed. Yes, it was. It's which a lovely experience. Lovely. Many many of our listeners 
uh, uh, were here that night. So both of them. Shout out to uh, <laughs> managers Jack and, and Sean for Indeed. letting us do this tonight. Indeed. So anyways, you, you had a thought there about vulnerability management. Yeah, and it went away. Okay. Um, so then I've sorry. got one. That's okay. So here's the thing. We had... You may already be on the hamster wheel. As a matter of fact, if you have a security organization, you're already in the hamster wheel unless you somehow manage to master it, which is Very few. less likely than it is Very likely, few. right? So how do you get off of the hamster wheel? That's that's real question, I think, that everybody would like to know. You know, there's that old thing from the 70s, stop the world, I want to get off, or yeah. 60s or whatever it was. I don't know. I'm too young to know that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I feel like that sometimes. Stop the stop the vulnerability management hamster wheel. I want to get off. How do you break that? Do you have any thoughts? Well, I don't know that you can get off of it. I think it's a perpetual motion um, device that's going to continue as long as people are making software, as long as we're buying software, as long as we're moving infrastructure both to the cloud, within the cloud, or on-prem, or back again. Um, it's going to be there. And the question is, how do you make it? Or how do you make it less painful for you and your teams? And setting expectations around how you close those things. So I think that's the big I, thing. I think the hamster wheel. You're right. It never stops. The poo keeps flowing, mm -hmm. and it, and if you do not have big enough throughput, the poo backs up, and yes. suddenly you're in the downstairs bathroom, of Randy's house, with a geyser of brown water shooting out of the shower. Well, the reason why that matters, too, is is when you touch things, you break things. Yeah, that and is true. You're so gonna, there's an immediate reluctance on the part of your technology team. Right, right. Because, and, and you never want to patch, you never want to update on a Friday because you know it's rollback Saturday. You know, <laughs> rollback Saturday. And nobody wants to work on it. What are you doing this weekend? Patching Friday, rolling back Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the first thing is, Knowing your assets, scanning your assets, and then having an expectation that's reasonable for patching. Nobody likes to talk about vulnerability management openly because we're not going to disclose to our customers how vulnerable we are. No. Right? No. So, so we, we want to keep that all in-house and say, okay. But the thing is, is nobody's different. They're all vulnerable, right? There right. Are very right. few organizations, unless you're a Citibank or Chase or somebody with an unlimited budget, and even they struggle. They, they do. Well, and they still have to have an agreement. Okay, there's an emergency patch, and then there's everything else. I mean, really, that's what it is. If you can have a solid cadence, get in a, every seven days is a patch day. And you have your patches prioritized, and you've got best effort. So you've got emergency, patching, and best effort is really the three. If you're going to simplify it, those are the three buckets they can go into. I agree. I, I also think, and this is something that, that my organization has done, and, and major shout-out to Ian and Jeremy and Biao and and some of the other guys, Mitch and, and uh, Carl. Still love you, Mitch. And Bohannon. Still love you. <laughs> All those guys that uh, have helped us master some of this. There is an element that, and this is for you, dear security leader, your life is not about being perfect. Your life, your job, your mission is managing risk. Yes. It's what you do. So the question you have to ask, and you often get pushback when you're talking about vulnerabilities. They'll go, what's the real risk of this? So the CVSS score, which is the, the Internet's you know standard rating on, on vulnerability, gives you a lot of foundational information. 
but you need to be able to apply what you think that patch does. Exactly. And that's got to be according to your system or according to the, the data that's in it or according to the value, whatever it is, and allow you to modify that score because if you, you've got 100 calories of energy. It's all you've got to patch. It's all your organization's going to give you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give you 1,000 yep. calories. So you need to decide where can you best apply those 100 calories. And you can't do that without knowing the real risk. So is this an internet-facing system? Mm, All your internet-facing systems should be, you know, from high-end critical should be tackled first. Does it have sensitive or crown jewel information? Does it have access to a, a crown jewel system? All those things are what you have to start building that risk calculation. I don't know what calculation is. It's actually very technical. You probably don't know what it is. Don't look it up. (laughs) Just trust me. It's really important. That's right. Well, having that prioritization set for your organization, it's going to be different for every org. The the scores are already done for you. Yeah. The the external threat, uh, external... um, Has it been exploited in the wild? Because there are a lot of critical patches out there that show up and they go, that's critical, it's the worst thing ever. It's Randy Bleed, right? Here it comes. But it hasn't been... 4% of systems have it and they're not... It hasn't been... There's no exploit in the wild. So Right. right now, I'm not... I'm not tipping over cards to, to get it done. I don't know what that means. Well, that that also comes back to the business takes a risk-based approach to business. We need to take a risk-based approach to security and patching. 100%. Like it, just because it's critical doesn't mean it's critical for you. So here's the thing, and we talked about this, and I want to I, I want to be mindful. We talked about how to manage it, right? So how to get off of it. The first thing is, you know, stop the madness. Yeah. But the second thing is, is that the partnerships that you need to do this. Tell me about those. What's your opinion? Well, you have to build good partnership with your DevOps team. You have to. Uh, your, your infrastructure team, you have to have a good lead, a good person there that you can go to and explain why this is important. It's the cadence around patching. It's the tick, 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 tick. If you just patch whenever whenever you have a... a I was looking for degree. a bomb. I felt no, like it was in an episode of The Hurt Locker. No, no, it's the cadence, right? When you get on a cadence, everybody knows the cadence. You know when that is, and you build it into the fabric of what you're doing, and and slowly but surely you'll stem the tide and turn this to your favor, where you're not looking at a mountain of vulnerabilities anymore. You know, one of the things that we found, I 100% agree with you. The cadence is amazingly important. If people understand the pattern, the repetitive nature, they'll follow it. The other thing is, is that. They have to understand. What schooling paid off for you? Yeah, yeah it was, did. That was good. That so was much good. money. Sorry. <laughs> um, never gonna get that back. Thank you, Norwich University. That was a that was a drip right there. They call that a drip. He just gave you a drip. That was gold. You should. Um, you know, it, I've almost lost my thoughts. Coming back, you know, one of the things that I think is most important though is that that hundred calories of energy doesn't come from your infrastructure team. As a matter of fact, I'll even, you know, depending on your organization, it doesn't come from your technology team. It comes from your product team. The people own it because they're looking at their available resources, right? They've got, we'll do it by hours. They've got 2,000, you know, people hours or work hours, coding hours to get a product out the door. Out of that 2,000, you come to them and say, I need 1,000 for patching. And their answer is, get bent. Yeah. <laughs> Off. Yeah, that's right? right. That's what you're going right. to get. So right. you've got to find, and that's okay. But right now, likely, if you're like I was a couple of years ago, 
you're not even having that conversation. You're over there with a rolled up newspaper swinging away at the server admin going, you need to patch, you need, and he's going, they won't let me patch weekend and right? No, going to the business, going to the product teams, that's, that's where you go and you say, okay, here's your decision. We've only got 100 calories. Here's 600 calories worth of vulnerabilities. Here's what they mean. Here's why they matter to you. Which ones? Yes. Well, and here's our recommendations on the ones you should patch. And not only that, and here you are again, dear leader, is out of that remaining 500, you have to tell them they're accepting the risk room. And that's okay. The business is allowed to accept the risk. There is the option, and you need to make sure that you've got the... I don't know what you want to call it, the management framework in place or the, the identification framework in place, the option to say, and then, you know, an Afghanistan-like surge, we're going to send in 50,000 more Cinecron or Tata contractors and we're going to fix this. But if you don't have the framework in place to keep it there, then you're just going to be back there in a year and you're likely going to get let go. Yeah, having, having a, a surge capacity plan an acceptance, you know, because there's always a patch catch-up day. Like, you could do that quarterly. Oh, my God, patch catch-up day, which almost always gets used for some sort of emergency deployment. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But that tick, 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 right, of, of the cadence, you have a moment where you have the catch-up day where you're like, okay, in this window, because we know it's our lowest business volume day, we're going to ask the products team to give us that weekend to patch the crap out of our systems and really try to, you yeah. know, catch things up and all the risks have that date in mind hey this is going to exist until this date this is going to exist until this date and that's okay yeah that's okay if you were taking an absolutist view of vulnerability management you're going to lose and you're not going to you're going to lose the engagement of your teams yeah you know one of the things that we found and you know props out to mitch and his team we found that in in our linux teams we would create a linux image and give it to the to the DevOps guys, right, to the developers, and say, okay, go get them, Tiger, with the implicit understanding that they were the ones to patch. Yeah. And they went, oh, the infrastructure team was so nice to build this for us. It's so nice that they patched, too, right? And there was a literal, and I'm pointing, you know, in two different directions, pointing scenarios, like the Spider-Man meme where everybody's pointing each yeah. other. Like, <laughs> and, and my buddy Mitch, he stood up, and he was like, Okay, this ain't good enough. And he got a couple of his guys who's all of a sudden I can't remember their names because I've been drinking uh, iced tea yes, or something that looks a lot like iced tea. Um, but they they got down and went on a road show. I mean, a literal road show. They went international. They sold it to the Philippines. They sold it to Japan. They sold it to APAC. They sold it to Latin America. They went everywhere to get those that they had built those servers for to say, come back to us. We'll patch for you. All you got to say is let us. Yeah. You know, you handle the patching. An amazing little miscommunication went so far to change their vulnerabilities. Well, having people that are that care, legitimately care about making sure that it gets patched and patched well, um, that's the most important thing. You know, and, and if you're a DevOps person, if, if you're an application owner and you don't know the host, it's your boxes. It's your stuff. Like, <laughs> well, there's an inherent thing there, though, Randy, which is I've often used the analogy, and people have heard me say this. There is, in the city, there's a water department and there's a fire department, and they both do the same thing. They take water to different parts of the city yeah. for completely different reasons. 
what I'm saying is that there's a there's a DevOps guy and he's got a server. He doesn't care about the patching. He cares that his his application works. Yeah. That's all he cares about. And he's not evil. No, he's not. No, no, he's no. doing the job, man. He's probably doing it really he's got well. His stuff to do with the water, just like the fire department. No. Yeah. yeah, different responsibilities. So your job is to make it easy for that water department guy to get a hydrant in front of his house or whatever. You, I'm going to stop this analogy. Well, it goes back to the. The expectation setting, like as the app owner, your responsibility is X. As the platform owner, your responsibility is Y. And, here's and if you, your responsibility as a security leader is to build that framework so they understand their responsibility. I will tell you what, that is the number one thing underlying vulnerability management, which is technology and development leaders generally know patching is good. Yes. They get they it. They want to do it. They're they afraid do. of getting hacked. The business is afraid of getting hacked. But unless they understand it, unless they can, you know, consumable bits, they're not going to do it because their number one thing that they're graded on is delivery. Yes. They got to bring home the application. Well, and making sure you have good images, up to date, present, uh, present images that can be leveraged by the development teams as their base. I, I'm telling cool. you, if you know, and this has happened, and Randy, I know you've seen it. Um, and I've seen it in multiple organizations where DevOps, you know, moving to a, an agile, and this is for you, Linda, agile methodology. Agile. Oh, you never knew Carlos, did you? No, he was a, at the place where we last worked together. Okay. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, you knew him. The guy who, who said, let's build a house in three days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he used yeah. to say it, agile. Agile, that's right. Uh, yes. But, you know, agile methodology is often used for as an excuse to not do stuff. Right. And that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, Agile tends to have more, not constraints, but controls in place, and controls wrong word, but more frameworks in place to ensure that the way to be quick is that you've got a, a gold image that right. is updated often. I mean, infrastructure is code, right? Well, the way to be quick is to be good. If you yes. good, if it's a good image and it's okay. I'm going to ask Randy to repeat that. The way to be quick is what? To be good. Is to be good. Yeah. And listen, dear security leader, <laughs> say that to your application development partners. Yeah. The way to be quick is to be good. It isn't pushing code faster. You know, there, there's a saying, and those of you who have ever done um, tactical training of some sort will know, right? Which is slowest move. Smooth is fast, right? Go slow so you know what you're doing. Make it smooth. And once it's smooth, it will go fast. Yeah. And that will make you good. Yeah. Form is important, right? Form is most important. Just like in lifting weights or doing anything. If you've yeah. got good form, well, you're going to get stronger faster. Yes, you know? right? And, and if you thing. don't have good form, you're going to blow out your MCL. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a kid's father in football, <laughs> you're going to pay for that MCL. <laughs> For many years. <laughs> For many years. <laughs> well, this, dear leader, is the key to make sure you have clear expectations set, to make sure that you have a good framework in place and responsibilities are clearly defined. Mm -hmm. And risk. Walk. Risk. Well, yes. And all about the risk, right? Risk is your lever. It's not your hammer. You're a security leader. You're not hammering. You're leveraging. The C-suite really does not talk about security. They don't talk about compliance. They talk about risk. Risk to the business. Yes. So what does this mean? Exactly. 
framing it in that terminology. You know, we're going through some stuff with our, our uh, GRC tool. You know, it's one of the heavier ones, Archer, right? Oh, so the thing but, I love about Archer, no offense, RSA, is you need to hire like three wizards. Uh, yes, and they yeah, well, and they, they make motions and they chant and there's yeah. incense. <laughs> you, need, you need a crypt keeper. You, you need a, <laughs> you know, they call, a curator. Oh, curator. <laughs> you need, you need a, that's probably keeper. better. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look in the back. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but it takes Archer's a, a wonderful tool, but you can also in there articulate the business reason. So often I, I pull up an Archer item or whatever, and it's like this is not written in any business friendly terms whatsoever. No, senior leadership isn't going to even know what to do with this. And so they're going to accept it. Yeah, they're going to click to make it go away. It's like let's make this clear so they understand what it is, and making sure that that it's given to the right level in the business. You know, God bless our DBAs. DBAs get saddled with everything to fix because they're the DBAs. Yeah. It's like, this really isn't a DBA problem. They're, they're typically our smarter folks, right? Yep, but, but they like, can probably write a query to fix it. Yeah, exactly. But saddling them continuously is not the right thing either. You've got to raise it to the right level of the organization and say, this risk, this vulnerability, these types of items need to go to X team or X person. Yeah. And have a good sponsor. I'll give one final recommendation. If you're the vulnerability, if you're the security leader in an organization, either you or find somebody who's been with the organization for a while and get him to own vulnerability management for you or her. Get that person to own it for you. You know, shout out to my buddy Ian, who right now is probably not thinking I'm his buddy. I convinced him a couple of years ago to drop half of the people who reported to him, drop half of his team, take three or four people and move and take on vulnerability management. And he did. And I told him, I said, there is nobody else in this organization qualified to do this but you because you knew you've been on the technology side, you've worked closely with the developers, you've been on the security side, you know it all. You can convince these people the right way to go. And by well, gum, he did. Well, that goes back and you know, to you too, someone who's really good. Who are the people that do vulnerability management? Who do you have the people that do vulnerability management? It's people that are kind of the jack of all trades, yeah. right? The ones that can speak the infrastructure talk have been there. The ones that could write a code if they had to. Yeah. They might not be writing code. But the ones that can understand the why. Yeah. Because when we understand the why. That's for that, you, Pask. That's right. See, there we go. That, I miss Pask. Uh. He's the best. Um, but you understand the why. Do you understand the why? You can articulate it in terms that will then help the business prioritize those vulnerabilities so that you can get it done. Don't don't neglect that. 100%. The last thing I'll say is that if you are suddenly energized by this podcast to go tackle vulnerability management, right? Go out to um, go Google John Cotter's um, Eight Steps for Change or by um, Leading Change by the same author. Either one, but those eight steps will help you divvy up how to address this. Because changing how an organization handles vulnerability management is an enterprise change. By the way, those of us who know, CIO, CTO, CSOs who know, that is a game changer. If you can show on your resume that you changed the vulnerability management program in an organization, you are gold. Yeah, it's not about the vulnerability right, Except you, Ian. Don't ask for more money. <laughs> it's not about vulnerability management. It's about changing the culture around it. And you can do that if you 
put in this framework, if you can set the right expectations, and you can speak the rest of the business. 100%. Well, Randy, I think we're almost out of stuff to talk of. And my, and my glass seems to have a hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, dear leader, dear security leader, tackle those vulnerability management mountains, but don't wear yourself out in doing it because tomorrow there's going to be another one. Uh, you know, I really in the beginning wanted to use a triple, Star Trek triple, right? You get one, no, and they just seem to multiply, <laughs> right? Yeah. And just moving triples out of the way is not how you solve it. Yeah, well, you put it in the cloud. That, is all. that solves everything. <laughs> that solves everything. Yeah. Well, this has been Security on Tap, live from Germantown Cafe. Germantown Cafe. I'm Randy Fields. I'm Jim Desmond. And you guys. Keep leading. Stop it. No, it's still going. You should hit the stop button. My mouse died. Oh, well, then. It's your blocking. <laughs>